Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. We have an Austin, but a restaurant epically skipped with his food order, so he's late as a result. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we want to start this uh, intro off really quick with... Uh, we are currently doing our Vigilantes and Villains playtest streams bi-weekly on Fridays. This is our upcoming Kickstarter project, so if this sounds like something you're interested in with superheroes in the 5th edition setting, uh, please sign up uh, to get notified on our website at CritAcademy.com slash Vigilantes and Villains. We hope to inspire you with creative content that we can bring with you on your next adventure. We want to thank you guys for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. You're rolling like a noble house without any powerful lineages. Kind of neat, those. That's kind of their whole thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's kind of the whole shtick of a noble house, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really excited for today's episode. We are talking about the most recent Unearthed Arcana Gothic lineages. Um, it's super exciting. Uh, we got a really, <laughs> a really fantastic uh, monster variant uh, today based on the uh, the gothics lineages. We so, do. Uh, ho- hopefully, you'll hopefully you'll stick around for that. But before we get into all that, we like to give away fat loots. Um, this week, we're giving away. Uh, Lore Smith's Modular Dungeon Tiles, uh, the Arcania set. An Arcania digital tile set lets you make dark, shadowy dungeon maps rich with the fumes of arcane secrets. Um, Ian, who is our winner today? Our winner today is David Huge 20. Congratulations, Dave. If you enjoy the product, please make sure to maybe check out Lore Smith's other content or maybe leave him a review. Uh, if you didn't win, no problem. Head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. That's all you got to do. Uh, I do want to mention that we've got something in the works, so I'm hoping everything goes well. Uh, we might end up having some surprises for you guys, for all of our listeners. So uh, Those are fun, usually. Keep, keep an eye out for that. Right. Um, so here we are. Uh, Unearthed Arcana Gothic Lineages. The Gothic Lineages is the newest Unearthed Arcana, um, which brings forward three new racial features. Unlike the traditional fantastical races, um, your racial traits and features are determined by your lineage chosen, not by the races you start off as or that you once were, which I think is really cool. Instead, your character has changed either due to a transmittable disease, a magical effect, an experimentation, or a dormant you know, genetic trait unique to one of your ancestors. Um, the Unearthed Unearth Arcana uh, Gothic Lineages brings uh, three new player options, the Dampier, the Hexblood, and the Reborn. And honestly, this is really cool because it doesn't have to start at uh, it doesn't have to start at character creation, but can be an event that kind of happens during the character's adventuring life, which I think is really cool because that makes for absolutely excellent storytelling options. Um, so that is really cool to me. But like in the time, though, though, as a result, when you change your like your race and stuff, it does like shift your stats and features around too. So that is yep. that needs to be like you don't jump on top of what you already got, even though for one or two of these that right. would you... make total sense. But that's just something you might keep in mind if you implement these. You're gonna end up uh, losing some stuff and gaining new stuff. But that the hope is that you know that going into it. So, right. Um. So Ian, you you kind of mentioned that. Do you want to talk about one of the biggest changes? Um. That's kind of stemmed from Tasha's. Okay. All right. I yeah. I can't dig into a rant about this, and I'll try to uh, be less insane than usual. I know high bar. <laughs> but they said it mentions in like a in a side grade grade up paragraph, if you will, that, that they're saying that from here on out, for any future publications for like uh, races, it's going to refer to player races, and not necessarily NPCs, because P- PCs can be a little bit more modular for obvious reasons. And one of the changes they made, which is why they didn't do this for any of the entries, is when you determine your ability scores, increase one score by two and a different one by one. Now, I'll admit, that is in line with Tasha's, and but my main issue with that personally is, now, this comes from the fact that I've played D&D for years, is I'm like, one, you already had a four... <laughs> You're four, old. Yeah. A, you already had a format set up, why change that format, if anything, just for the sake of consistency, 
And two, they had a paragraph saying, okay, here's something you can do instead of an option. I think putting a side paragraph for any future publication would have been adequate. And as you yourself said, this is already just in Tasha's in the first place. And yeah. I'm not going to go into the whole thing of about how people think about, about like uh, d- default set increases, but I do think, though, that they're still good to have anyway, just because a lot of those are tied to lore for... But it's also addressed in many cases that you're not even tied to the lore, you're not stuck to it. And at least lore-wise, it gives you the default baseline to start off with if you choose to adhere to said lore. And not a lot of new players are necessarily familiar with that, but it might help towards educate players a little bit towards what the expectations are for stereotypes, at least, for better or worse. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah it does. Honestly, as a person that uh, doesn't care much for... Uh like the the traditional optimization um i'm indifferent i don't really care either way but i if i was big into optimization this would be a big change a great change for me um because then i get to put the points wherever i want which is kind of the point they're trying to make is we don't want to funnel them into and i think we've talked about this before with like just hit hit points of monsters you know goblins have a range but you might have one skinny goblin that's got very little strength and then another one that's or that's got very little endurance, and a really thick buff one that you know, same goblin, same stat block, different HP. And I feel like that's kind of what they were trying to go for right. to give variety to the race. Um, but uh, take that however you want, whether you like it or not. That's entirely up to you. The beauty of it is you don't have to include it. It is worth noting that all the stuff in this is currently playtest, yes, um, and is liable to change uh, in the future. Because let's be honest, nobody gets it right the first time, so. Yep. I mean, shoot, I still have players complaining about how the wildfire druid doesn't get fireball, even though that should, in theory, be their thing. <laughs> and I don't blame them for the fact, because it screams they should have fireball the way it's written. <laughs> Which it happened in the places, yeah. but they dropped it. So, yeah. Anyway, right. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. All right. So, uh, traditionally in 5th edition, characters are categorized as humanoid for the purposes of mechanics. Now, I thought this was a big change. So, the new lineages allow you to choose from a vast list, including construct, dragon, monstrosity, and, and, and more. And to me, this is a fantastic way to create fun and unique races, uh, race creature to play beyond just the traditional backstory and lore of the races. I think that's really cool. And as I said before, too, you're talking about this, like, here is every single creature type. Now, get that in mind, because that might come up with spell interactions. Only mentions Contract and Undead. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably just to start with, though. I, I hope, I imagine that means it might come up more. But, but you get what I'm um, saying, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, changing yourself from a humanoid to, you know, a construct or, or, or something else. I mean, generally speaking, I'm cool with that because that ex- options existed in the past anyway so for me it's just like a throwback i think i do think a lot of like material from 5e is pulling stuff from previous editions or trying to figure out how to incorporate that into the current one although shoot many of the uh stuff on dm's guild is people just repurposing 3.5 fourth edition stuff and like okay here's the stuff we missed here's it back yeah and i think one of the things that probably bugs me the most about this is how it will interact with some spells. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. hold person will no longer affect a, a player if they're a construct or if they're a dragon. There's a lot of powers. Like, if you pick construct, healing powers don't work on you. Yeah. So those are the things that you are going to have to kind of pay attention to. Although that kind of does highlight to me, like, I don't think hold person should have been humanoid only anyway. I think it should have been hold creature, but that's another topic unto itself. And yes, I know there's a higher... Yeah, well, hold monster. Right, but it seems like... What's the difference? You just make this on a higher level because reasons. But anyway. Yeah. I'm sure uh, for me it's probably balance, balancing. But uh, the, the the reason this is so important to me because um, there are a lot of abilities that the players use that don't target mon- that can't target monsters. Yeah. And I can totally... Ah, somebody just beat me to it. So Aaron, I was literally just seg- trying to segue it as Aaron says, does mending out constructs? In my opinion, hell yes it would. Because I know I can't use healing on them. That would be the only time I would allow that for the uniqueness of the player because I feel like a player choosing that and not being able to actually heal because they chose this lineage sounds like a punishment to me that shouldn't exist. But it's also um, worth mentioning too, though, that they this document as written does state that even when you choose these and you have the other types, you still have the humanoid type. So 
cure wound still works on you. It does go up as way to specify that at the very least. Oh, does it does do that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, Rumley Farm makes a good point. He says maybe mending more works more like uh, spare the dying. Uh, so it sounds like they might have included that, and I just must have missed it because. Um, but I mean, if you're a humanoid and a construct, and it says it doesn't work on constructs, I would still say, yeah, you shit out of luck. But I wouldn't also want to punish the players for that flavor either. But uh, those are some concerns that I had with it. Well, like I said, too, it does specify, though, it does work in humanoids, and you're still a humanoid, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what the fin- final way they, 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 what they roll with that. Let's talk about the new lineages. You have the Dampier, which, poised between the worlds of the living and the dead, Dampiers retain their grip on life, yet are endless, <laughs> endlessly tested by vicious hungers. Their ties to the undead grant Dampiers a taste of a vampiric's deathless prowess in the form of increased speed, dark vision, and life-draining bite. With unique insights into the nature of the undead, many Dampiers turn to the lives of adventurers and monster hunters. Their reasons are often deeply personal. Some seek danger, imagining monsters as personifications of their own inner hunger. I love that. Others pursue revenge against whatever turned them into a dampier to begin with. And still, others embrace the solitude of the hunt, striving to distance themselves from those who would tempt their hunger. Man, that's cool. You're a half-vampire. That's what it comes down to. (laughs) Yeah, that is just so cool to me because I can totally love the idea of playing a character where every time we meet somebody, I gotta kind of describe how... You know, certain type of person gets his boil, his blood boiling, and makes him thirstier. You know, it's like when I, uh, like when my my big ass goes to like a buffet, and I'm like, oh, so many options. Like you couldn't put a whole street buffet around me and not expect me to react. So as a role play person, I would totally have so much fun with this. Oh yeah. <laughs> but short version, the way I see it, um, if you want to play a character like Blade or Vampire Hunter D, here you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And you get some pretty cool powers, of course, that come with this. You do. We're not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty of the, the details, but you're going to get dark vision. I love that you get spider climb at third level. Um, That is so cool. Um, That just, it fits the the whole vampire and monster theme. And then, of course, you get vampiric bite, which basically is a uh, 1d4 piercing attack that you're proficient with that heals you a little bit um, when you hit the creature. Um, it's only half the damage you do, but uh, it's still pretty cool. And, and the uh, part I find I, interesting, once again, though, we're not getting too much into the details, but I found it interesting, though, that it was based off of your constitution and not anything else. But I think part of it, though, is they give you a couple other buffs, though, because, like, let's face it, some types of creatures or players won't necessarily have a high constitution. I think there is some stuff here listed to mitigate it somewhat, which I, if something's, like, if you're yeah. under half your HP, so yeah, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. So there are, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, the other thing that I like is that uh, they limit it by how often uh, you can do it too, right? Because it's limited to the, your, per, you can do it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, um, which you regain at a long rest. So it really limits how frequent you can do it. So it can't become like a, a primary attack where every time you're doing this. So they did include some really good balancing mechanics for that, I think. Do you want to uh, tell us about the uh, the Hexblood? Why, certainly. Where wishing fails, ancient magic can offer a heart's desire. Well, at least for a little bit. Hexbloods are individuals <laughs> infused with eldritch magic, fate energy, or mysterious witchcraft. Some who enter into bargains with hags gain their deepest wishes, but eventually find themselves transformed. These changes evidence a hag's influence. Ears put in the fork points, skin in the odd shades, lengthy hair that regrows of cut, or and or an irremovable living crown. Along with these marks, hex blades manifest hag-like traits such as long life, dark vision, and a variety of magical methods to beguile the senses and avoid the same. While many hex blades gain their lineage after making a deal with a hag, others reveal their nature as they age, particularly if the hags influence them early on in life or even before their birth. Many Hexblades turn to lies of adventure, seeking to discover the mysteries of their magic, to forge a connection with their fey natures, or to avoid a hag that obsesses over them. And I love this. Yeah, already from their traits, you can get a lot of roleplay opportunities from this, as we have very much seen. 
Yeah, it, that's that's one of my favorite parts of these these lineages because it's not you were just well. And okay, this isn't exactly a perfect example, but it, you're not just born like this. Something can happen to you, and I think that mm-hmm. works really awesome. Because if if a player came up to me and said, "Hey, right now, just so you know, I'm starting off as a tiefling, but I really want to become a, a, a dampier. So could you find a way to make that part of the story?" And that just opens up so much awesome to me for me. <laughs> I actually remember like uh, seeing a race change happen in my Starlight Avernus game where the other week a player who was playing a pure Yon T ended up signing a contract because he looked at the contract like, wait, I get a lot of free benefits from this demon? Or devil? Okay, he signs a contract. And then he got got sidelined by suddenly being transformed to a tiefling. So the player's like, okay, I just such a done. I now have a list of stuff I have to change for my entire character. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um did you notice they give you kind of a, a a box here in talking about becoming a hag? Yep. Um, which is pretty cool. Like, if you ever, if this is like the perfect out for somebody that either needs to, uh, wants to retire a character or needs to leave a, a, a game. You sure. become a hex blood and like, look, I'm going to have to go. I won't be able to continue this adventure. Make my character become a hag and make it a core part of the story. You know, that would just be awesome. Become the next villain, maybe. <laughs> that sounds so much fun. What about some of these features? What do we got there, uh, Ian? Well, once again, you were, you're getting some dark vision. You get some fair resilience, giving you advantage against being charmed. You get a, as a once per day, disguise self. <laughs> you, you get nice. A, yep. And you also get a magical token, which you basically remove a body part without injuring yourself. Then you have like a tooth, fingernail, lock of hair. And anyone you give it to, you can either send messages to, short ones, mind you, or you can concentrate on it for a minute and see what is going on around it. As long as it's within 10 miles, or here too, for that matter. But then it destroys the object, effectively. But, yep. The token, right? Yep. That is that is actually one of my uh, one of the cooler powers. I'm starting to see a trend with like the dark vision, right? Though, because you're creatures of the night, right? Yeah. Um, so that kind of makes sense. But then again, let's be real here. It's a very short list of creatures that don't have dark vision compared to those that do. So. And I really feel like it should be the other way around. I feel like bar- dark vision should be a, like a more rare. Uh, yeah, like in our vigilantes and villains game. Only the Inhumans get it, like alien creatures or Animorphs or something like that. It's not something everybody has. So that's gonna when that comes into play, it's a big deal yep. uh, because not everyone has it. Um, so I, I kind of want to touch on this magic token because I can see a lot of roleplay opportunities and uh, story hooks coming from it because it lets you uh, <laughs> communicate. Uh, how long is it? Up to 10 miles? Yep. Um, I could totally just see like, uh, getting hired by the, getting hired by somebody just snapping off a nail or pulling a chunk of hair out. So you're hold on this. I'll let you know when we're done. <laughs> just like every time have, have our uh, money ready. We're on our way. Um, but it can also be a great, uh, alerting tool, right? So yeah. if your party has to split up, it's a good way to keep in touch. So yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, do you think any of these feel like they're overpowered in any way? No, especially since like uh, the we've seen stuff like this be granted by some, let's say, like class abil- abilities, like like the warlock, for example. Which would this be in line with with, with masking ma- faces? Ooh, actually, would this even right. be, actually would having getting masking many faces even invalidates this ability? Hmm. Something to do considering you build your character, I suppose. I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's something you'd have to take into consideration, I'd imagine. I suppose sometimes, though, with some oh, classes and races, there's trade-offs. What? That normally when you have a, a like a racial feature, um, once you expend it, you can't get it back. Uh, particularly for spells, you can't necessarily use spells to get it back. I'm thinking of the the um, the feat that gives a people a first level spell but i just realized that it says you can also cast these spells using any spell slot you have which effectively adds it to your spell list right that would seem to be in theory yeah that's cool i like that that's subtle and i like that um all right so what is the the final option we got here we have the reborn i love this because we actually had a character concept similar to this so it's really cool to see like a rule set aside from the revenant 
um, actually kind of be tied to it. So and the revenant, let's yeah. say new, is still within UA anyway too. So yeah, yeah. So it could still change. All right. Uh, death isn't always the end. The reborn exemplify this. Being individuals who have died yet somehow are still alive. Some reborn exhibit the scars of fatal fates. They're ashen flesh, missing limbs. Oh, I'd like that detail. Or bloodless veins, making it clear that they've been touched by death. Other reborn are marvels of magic or science. Uh, I love her bringing in science. Science! Ever since we got the artificer, man. Yeah. Um, or bearing mysterious minds and manufactured bodies. Whatever their origins, reborn know a new life and seek experience and answers of their own. Now, this is really cool. Yep. The reborn suffers from some manner of discontinuity. An interruption of their lives or physical state of minds that ill-equip them to, they're ill-equipped to deal with. Their memories of events before this interruption are often vague or absent. Occasionally, the most unexpected experiences might cause sensations or visions of the past to come rushing back. Rather than sleeping, reborn regularly sit and dwell on the past, hoping for some revelation of what might come. Most of the time, these are dark silent stretches occasionally though in the moment of peace stress or excitement a reborn glimpses uh gains a glimpse of what came before when you desire to have such a dreamlike vision roll on the lost memories table to inspire its details this is so awesome like (laughs) just like momentary flashes of memories is fantastic and i think makes for excellent um, history checks, right? Like, um, you get a, uh, can I make a history check on that? Why? Well, it turns out that I was alive then. <laughs> Roll a check. I get a glimpse of this, you know, dragon assaulting the city and the, the two heroes that stood against it, you know? I just think that that's, that that's so cool. And I love that they give you the lost memory examples. They give you some different origins of, uh, how your reborn came uh, came to be like you might be magically resurrected by something uh but something went wrong right so your buddy's trying to heal you and poof he fails <laughs> that would be awesome like could you imagine me as the player uh and you as the uh, or me and you are the players uh there uh in and my character dies and i've already planned it out that when that happens uh and a player tries to resurrect me it breaks like could you imagine how would you feel as a player if you cast the spell and the DM just starts telling you how bad it went and how it didn't unfold correctly. It depends on the circumstance, of course. But even I, as you may recall, when I built the character Captain Jacques Roberts, I'm like, okay, my angle for this guy is for him to be an undead pirate captain who flies a flying ship. <laughs> so <laughs> this is in line with me for that. Uh, ways, ways to screw up a spell. Oh, I can picture like, uh, for example, it's like, okay, we got the ingredients. Wait, why didn't this work? I got the blood of a demon, like it said. It's in curse of you, idiot. It says blood of a lemon. Lemon! <laughs> like lemon juice? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. So what powers does this reborn get? Guess what? Surprise, surprise, it has dark vision. Dark vision! <laughs> um, but it also it also gets deathless nature. You have escaped death. A fact represented by the following benefits. You have advantage on saving throws against being poisoned and diseases and resistance to poison. That's cool. I really like that. You also get advantage on death saving throws, <laughs> which is absurd. Yeah, like I've not I've not seen that before. I don't know that there's is there currently a mechanic for that does that? Not or is that I'm, completely new? I feel like there is, but I can't tell you what it is either. Then pretty sure it's just some some <laughs> shenanigan here and there anyway. I suppose if you assist somebody medically for a death saving throw, but uh. Also, the construct, the 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 Warforge, is no longer the only one that doesn't need to eat, drink, or breathe. Yep. Um, gonna be honest, uh, I have I'm gonna I can have a lot of fun with that because I love the idea of tormenting people by just grabbing them and then dragging them into a body of water and walking along the bottom until they tell you what you want. 
Um, and you don't need to sleep and magic can't put you to sleep. Uh, you finish a four hour rest, uh, if you spend those hours in an inactive motionless state during which you retain consciousness. So that very much reminds me of like the trance that the elves have. Yep. Right. Oh, the arguments I've had um, about trance. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't grant you the benefits of a long rest without eight hours. There's so many people that think it automatically, uh, means you get the benefits of a long rest and you don't. Yeah, but I think even the creator said, that's not what we intended, but we did break that down as is, so raw, that is not a completely unfair interpretation, so anyway, <laughs> leave it to your DM. <laughs> so they give you this really cool power, can you tell us about this knowledge from the past? Oh yeah, because you've had a past life, you occasionally receive glimpses of memories, and the way it manifests is, you can roll a d6 and add it to the number roll for your skill check, as you pull forth experience from said memories. But you can only use this number of times per day equal to your proficiency modifier, and you, which you get back after a long rest, so... Um, can I just say that I, uh, so in, uh, I don't know if you've noticed it in Vigilantes and Villains, I've used the proficiency bonus on a few different powers for something like this. So I'm glad to see this coming in place, because it scales with the players, um, and keeps everything in check. And they admit, and they heavily apply touch in the way that's the direction that wizards might be going from here on out to for... I don't think it's bad. It's a definitely a different way of handling things, but I do... Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an option. better than making it rely on a, uh, a, um, a modifier, right? Debatable. Because some people, some people, well, see, like, maybe I don't want to, like, uh, I think a, a, a good example would be if you've got one of the classes that balances between two uh, scores, like the Paladin or the Monk, right? Right. Um, it's really hard to gain the benefits of some of those uses when you're constantly trying to do that balance. At higher levels, obviously, it's not as a big deal, but um, starting at lower levels, I think this is a, a really good medium in between. So Inversely, though, if you have a character uh, that, whose ability goes off of their prime stat, like intelligence, and you're an artificer... <laughs> then you're then you're bumming. But yeah. they may not do that for all, but I can see that being used for like those multiple... Uh, those, uh, like the monks and the the, the, the paladins, the, the split ones. Pure classes, that's less of an issue, so I would imagine they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, overall, I really like this product. I love the content. I love the ideas. Um, if I had uh, one critique, um, I feel like the spider climb is pretty powerful for a racial trait or a lineage trait or whatever. Um, I mean, I've had no object objection with it. I mean, we have seen some races that give climbing abilities anyway. I mean, not quite on the same level as Spider Climb as you, or even Flight in one or two cases. Yeah, well, the the thing that is interesting to me is because Spider Climb is a second level spell. So that's a pretty potent, uh, that's a pretty potent racial, I think. Uh, I would think, I think it would be better if they just left it as a climbing speed, personally. Um, but that's... Uh, that's just that's really my only my only concern with any of this. Is there anything that uh, uh, really jumps out at you as something to be of a concern, or you would like to see altered or changed? Uh, let me see. Kind of in the same vein. Yeah, spire climb is a second level spell. Disguise self. I get. I forget which level that is up top of my head. Let me check that quickly. And and that's first look. First level, and I could actually argue that, it, yeah, Spirit Climb's second level, but I could also argue that you get a lot more utility off this guy's self, and that's the first level, so to me, it's all relative in that regard, so. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know. That was really my only complaint about these. Like, I love the flavor. I love the, like I said, I really was hung up on the knowledge from the past. I think that's a really cool mechanic that I would like to see come up again. Mm -hmm. um, you'll notice, we, we, in our, in our, um, in our Vigilantes and Villains, we have the Adept Points, which is like this, right? Where you get an extra die you can roll to add to a specific skill set. Um, so I would like to see more of this. So Sure. All right. I think that'll do it for our main topic today. The Unearthed Arcana Gothic Lineages. Overall, I'm really satisfied. I think Wizards of the Coast is doing great work. Um, and they're not even paying me to say that. <laughs> uh i guess uh we're we i love we're loving the changes and the direction that they're going so not only does it allow for more versatility but it allows the characters to truly be unique in a world of dungeons and dragons so yep all right that'll do it for our main topic before we move on to our honor tips and tricks uh 
we have three brand new products out this week. Yay! I'm gonna press Dude. the your button. Yay! Um, I am a writing machine, apparently. We have just released the Werecat, a playable race with some shape-changing powers a little bit. Uh, shifting into cats and being able to communicate with cats, making them very powerful uh, intelligence network, I guess. Yep. We have the Warmind Divine Domain Cleric, all about telepathy, very much a scion feel. Um, and then we have the fighter archetype, the Skybreaker. Each is available over at our uh, crit- over at Criticademy.com for a buck ninety-five. Yes, the Skybreaker is certainly inspired by one of my favorite books, the Stormlight Archive series by Brandon Sanderson. So hopefully, you'll check it out. There was no way I couldn't make a fighter that could touch stuff and change the, the way gravity affects it. It's just couldn't do it. Yeah. Had to do it. It's it's too appealing. So uh, definitely, maybe check some of those out if you uh, if that's something that tickles your dice. And now, what you've all been waiting for, our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. All right, I am really excited for this. Would you like to tell us about our character concept today? Today's character concept is the Captured Tomb Robber. You were born into slavery in the Highlands, Billy escaping the life of servitude with clever and tactical placement of words, paperwork, and good old-fashioned improvisation. You went on to become an expert thief and treasure hunter. You spent much of your youth stealing from the, no- the notorious crime lord, Dol Darfin, in the nearby city of Borak before going into business for yourself after their death. Too daring for your own good, you managed to breach... Imperial barricades and sneak into the sealed ruins of Shadesmoor, gaining entry to a sacred lich's tomb. There, like a sucker, you were captured again. <laughs> Your second <laughs> stint into slavery landed you into the service of the Empire. It was there that once again, you were forced to forge documents, manipulate the right people, and use additional good old fashioned improvisation to escape once again. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this character concept, Ian? It's gonna be a fun one. I definitely like the aspect of, I I cheated myself into this problem. I'll cheat myself out of it again. <laughs> uh, I really uh, I really enjoyed this. Um, this is a fun character concept. It fits really good with that um, that roguish kind of feel. If that's the character type you want to go with, or maybe somebody with like the charlatan or the criminal background. Um, and it's fun enough because, uh, it fits with like the, the criminal contacts feature and stuff because you've been in some shit. Um, and it's great. Cause if you picked up the forgery skill, um, as well as, you know, tactical, you know, diplomacy and deception. So yeah, overall it's a fun one. And the idea of being captured a slave more than once is just hilarious. Not again. <laughs> uh, all right. That'll do it for our character concept. The tome robber. Our monster variant of the podcast is the Damn Fierce Savage. Of course I had to use the resource I just read to make a monster. Well, yeah. It doesn't do that. <laughs> so the origin stat block you're going to start with is the Ogre Zombie. Um, we're going to take its size and reduce it to medium, and we're going to get rid of that Morning Star. Yep. We're going to give it Dark Vision. We're going to give it Spider Climb. We're going to give it claws that on a hit, um, the Dampier can gra- uh, grapples the target with an escape DC of 12. And, of course, we have to give him the Dampier bite, right? Which is a, a, melee, a, a melee weapon attack that is uh, on one willing creature or a creature that is grappled by the Dampier, incapacitated or restrained. So you can start to see... There's some restrictions on this, but it does have a little bit of oomph to it. Yep. Uh, so it does 1d8 plus 3 piercing damage plus 1d8 necrotic damage, and the target's hit point maximum is reduced by the amount. That's no good, because that means if it reduces to zero, guess what? You're dead. You're dead, sucker. Sucks to be you. you coming back. And the Damphir regains hit points equal to the amount of damage done. Yeah. Ouch. So... 
This is savage as hell. Hence why I called it the Dampier Savage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about this, Ian? At least the uh, lost HP at least does come back after a long rest. That is something that does need to be pointed out. But but for the day, though, until you get that long rest, especially at lower levels, this could not be a good time. Ooh. Yes. Um, I have had more than one character die to powers like this. Yep. Um, it's dangerous and requires a whole different style of engagement than just t- tanking and spanking, as, as MMO people say. Great. Now I'm thinking about how some of the Grognards are like, back in my day, you won't get back after a long rest. That HP loss would be permanent. And we liked it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Those people exist. Um, it's a pretty straightforward, uh, it's a pretty straightforward monster. The one thing I do want to point out is it does have undead fortitude. Uh-huh. So... It heals and it's hard to kill. So, good luck. It's gonna be a bastard. <laughs> Does it? I, I, doesn't it? It's a zombie, doesn't it? Don't all zombies have the undead fortitude? No, just a regular zombie. I think. Well, that's less fun. Well, because I remember should have gave it to him then. Like I remember, like when we were like talking about this. Actually, no, it does. Okay, I was wrong then, but I did remember when like uh, we were creating like uh, characters for our uh, last Kickstarter, and you're like, "Why did you give your skeleton guy undead fortitude?" Because skeletons don't have undead fortitude. You would think so, but they don't. No, it's the, 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 the zombies do. Yep. <laughs> I do remember that conversation. Um, but yeah, so it, it, so it becomes a, a bit of a problem. Never mind the fact that the ogre zombie has a plus four constitution uh, modifier. So it's far more likely. It's going to be hard to kill. Yeah. <laughs> you better bring some radiant lasers because you're going to get your face bit off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I think that'll do it for the Dampier Savage. Um, our encounter of the podcast is for the greater good. <laughs> when a large merchant ship secretly carrying a high-profile passenger is attacked by a group of raiders, the characters must defend the ship and eventually must decide the passenger's fate. The encounter starts with the characters on board the transport bound for a major city, starting off by. You you start the adventure off by talking to the passengers. One passenger, E.V. Jogarinth, Jogger, 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 ah, stupid generators, um, a female tiefling noble wearing fine clothes expresses concern with another ship trailing in the distance. No flag or identifying marks upon it. Shortly after that conversation, the ship is attacked by the unidentified vessel and its crew. The characters must then fight their way to the captain's cabin to decide the next course of action. Once they reach the captain, uh, they learn the truth about Evie. She is one of significant political influence and is likely, likely the target of the attack. The characters learn that the raiders are only after Evie, and once they have her, they, will, they claim they will leave the ship and its passengers. Passengers, will the characters turn over one person's life to save the many, or will they defend her and risk the loss of more lives? Tough one. I'm a real asshole when I put these out there, aren't I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's never just like, this is the bad guy killing. Um, oh, this no. is interesting. But... I'm off to go negotiate a treaty that, if successful, will save millions of lives. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, you could have so much fun role-playing the, the Eevee character. Yep. <laughs> Um, it's really cool because you, the characters are forced into a morally ambiguous situation is, do you go with the, it's right to try to save everyone and lose other lives? Or do you turn this person over and find out that later that she was an ambassador to a, uh, a, a union between two kingdoms or some shit, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. It uh, it really creates quite the moral quandary as anybody that watched the show knows. I love those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I have an idea to save us all. Get on, get on the dingy after get what is get on the dingy. What is that dingy? It's get a on dingy. the dingy. Yep. After burning the ship with everyone else on it, is that you that responded? Yes. Can't blackmail us if the host if with hostages if there is no hostages. <laughs> you guys crack me up. Um. Anyways, that's our. Uh, do you have any comments on this encounter? Um, ways you can see it going or anything? Well, depends on what the circumstances surrounding this encounter is. This could definitely change quite a few things, and as a result, this does offer a lot of flexibility, and that's definitely one of the things we're always going for. And so I... Go the win! <laughs> Me too. 
That'll do it for our encounter of the podcast for the greater good. Ian, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Today's magic item is Ascending Wax. Records from the Lost Empire suggest that this wax, which induces weightlessness, was originally harvested from air elementals, specifically the Invisible Stalker. The reconstruction of this formula used by contemporary alchemists is a compound created by a sage who was a noted expert at elementals, specifically the plane of air. It is a common, uh, well, uncommon wondrous item. This sticky, stiffy yellow wax makes anything it's spread on lighter than the air. This glass jar, three inches in diameter, contains 1d4 plus 1 doses of the, the stiff wax that smells of a fresh breeze. Ah, smells like victory. <laughs> As an action, you can spear the wax on yourself, on the object, or a large cr- or smaller creature within your reach. The target rises vertically up to 20 feet and remains suspended in there for up to a minute. This wax can levitate a target that weighs up to 500 pounds. An unwilling creature that succeeds on a con saving throw is unaffected. The target can only move by pushing or pulling against a fixed object or surface within reach such as a wall or a ceiling, which allows it to move as if it were climbing. When the effect ends, the target floats gently to the ground if it's still a loss. So basically, you have a uh, consumable magic item that gives levitate. That's kind of awesome. That's exactly what it is. Yep. Um, Remley says, slap wax on the big big bad enemy guy, then punt him. <laughs> Dude, after we had that conversation about how just how powerful uh, uh, levitate can be, um, in the right circumstances, it really is. Uh, it needed a, it needed a consumable item. <laughs> it really did. Um, and you know me, I really like these sorts of things. Uh, can, what, so, what do you think about this? Well, levitate is a very handy spell to have, and, and it, because it's a co- uncommon consumable item, it should, in theory, be quite obtainable. And yep. something I could actually could see is like with the flavor text you gave was it was records from a lost empire. And I think it'd be hilarious, actually, if the formula was supposed to actually make something fly, but because something's lost in translation, or or because like the methodology that they used in its lost empire was so standard that they didn't bother to write that part down and assume anybody who read this would know it. <laughs> and so you basically miss one or two steps without even realizing it. <laughs> That's cool. I really like that. Yeah. Now I gotta make a mating item for it, for flying wax. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our magic item, the Ascending Wax. Do you want to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip, too? Alrighty. Today's Dungeon Master tip... We don't have a name for it today, do we? Change aspects of magical items. You can change the aspects of magical items to make them feel different. One example could be the Brazier of Commanding Fire Elementals may become the Flask of Commanding Water Elementals. Or you could change the flame tongue into the lightning tongue, cold tongue, psychic tongue, what have you, and so forth. I mean, really? It's really easy to create new magical items. Like, I'm just going to erase this one word here and put in a new word. I'd be lying if I said I didn't do that. (laughs) I didn't do that all the time. It's it's one of those things that some people just don't uh, think about. When, you know, because you got different weapons. Like, you have a frostband sword versus a flame tongue sword. But really... Who says it has to stop there? Yep. The same thing with the, uh, you mentioned the braziers and the the, the, the the elementals. I mean, one summons water elemental, the other one's a, or a flask summons the water elemental, and the, the brazier summons the fire. And you can do that with so many of the different uh, uh, <laughs> different items in the DMG that it gives you, creating a whole new collection of items. And yes, Romley, he definitely said brazier. <laughs> the first time brazier <laughs> uh which still works right because they're all hot or shoot you um, can take a uh um, flame tongues which is a sword and like you know what i'm gonna make it a bow because there's not a lot of magical bows in the first place so here you go ranger <laughs> dude see that's that's a great uh add-on to this because um first of all you make a good point about the bows what the hell i mean did you already not make the ranger good enough you're just like ah, i guess he doesn't need no bows either um, but you can take them and change the weapon type of something. Uh, the poison dagger can easily just as be a, a poison scythe or a poison whip. Um, the uh, 
the the lightning spear could just as easily be a lightning javelin. Well, those are pretty much the same. <laughs> the lightning javelin could be a like a shuriken or a lightning dagger or or something else that's you can throw a dart, a lightning, a lightning net. I'm going with the lightning net. So shocking. Uh, as a as a DM, you can do that, and it takes little or Vorpal Caltraps. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, Revely. Caltraps. <laughs> Ten cool points for you. I give you inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that'll do it from our uh, dungeon master tip. Uh, Change magical item aspects. Yeah. Our player tip of a podcast is don't be a dick. Thank you. Share your character intentions. Yep. Share with the other players at the table what you want to do with your character. Ask questions about what other players want to do with their characters as well. Role-playing games are a collaborative storytelling experience, and it's good to see how you can not only synergize mechanics, but also character goals and achievements. Um, This is totally your idea. Do you want to elaborate on it, Ian? Oh, it was? Wow. I must have been brilliant one day. That, was, that must have been a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody snip that. I need that. That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, he has his moments occasionally. No, I mean, it's like, I probably had a specific example in mind when I said that a while back. I just don't know what that specific example was. Like, okay. I even said earlier in the show, like, when I make Captain Jacques Roberts, I'm like, okay. My end goal with this guy is to make him an undead pirate captain of the flying ship. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> because it's awesome. And you can, uh... And when you take that to the team or the players, I always say team because of what I do for a living. But right. uh, when you take that to the players, you you get into a nice, oh, you know what? You want to be a pirate? That's awesome because I want to sail the seven seas. Not as a pirate, but maybe we can work something out. You yep. know? So <laughs> um, it's pretty straight, uh, sweet, and, and to the to the point, I think. Um, you can do this with not only like your, your character goals, but intertwine your backgrounds. Yeah. Um, if one person's a criminal and another person's a soldier, maybe you have some history together. Maybe that soldier has chased that criminal and his crew a few times. Um, maybe you have a druid that, or one character that's a druid, another character who's got the hermit background, and maybe they've stumbled across them occasionally or once or twice. You know what I mean? Hey, I remember you, so. Star Prince, right? It's Star Lord. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by sharing your character intentions. All right, uh, before we close out here, we have another gift to give away. Compliments of Jeff Stevens. Yeah, more free stuff. A mass menace terrifies the region. The adventurers stumble upon her evil scheme. The kidnapping of a famous performer known as Devin Artis. Their mission is to deliver a resume and collect Devon. This... From the adventure Scourge of the Nightingale, part one, a song of love. And today's winner is K. Mavridis 2580. That's what I'm going with. Well, if you didn't win, not a problem. Head on over to CreditAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. I mean, not only do you get like, good stuff from a newsletter too, though, like you get just win free stuff. I mean, that's a win in my book. <laughs> do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so um, I have to be honest, like I mentioned earlier, we got some big plans coming up, so kind of stay tuned for that. We're gonna We're trying to make some changes to our awards so we can hopefully give away more loot. Um, than we already do because that's just how we roll. I mean, we love you guys listening, watching, commenting. If you're scrolling past our show, um, now nah, you're not as cool. But <laughs> um, if you follow us on you know Facebook and Twitter and our YouTube, please follow our YouTube channel's growing. I have now one minute dungeon master tips. They're basically just my crazy ass TikToks, but uh, you can watch all yeah. of them in a matter of minutes. <laughs> so you should check it out. Um, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on. We're really excited. Uh, once again, please consider checking out our Vigilantes and Villains uh, live stream. We've done two issues, and I'm out of the say that those issues were a lot of fun. 
The most recent one was pretty intense bomb defusal, and one of the groups failed. So, uh, the point well, what your definition of fail failed, is, I would say, <laughs> just saying. Well, you don't. Well, you threw it into a warehouse, but it doesn't mean there wasn't people working there that day. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you work night shifts, right? <laughs> Uh, Austin says VNV is very crazy and very crazy and very enjoyable. So yeah, so you can head yeah. on over to CootAcademy.com uh, slash uh, vigilantes and villains and get notified when our Kickstarter goes live and check us out. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, all right. That does it for our show today. Please join us on our next episode. We'll be discussing magical adventure building with our boy Remley Farr. Woo! Cheer. That gets a cheer. Yeah. Uh, you guys may know Remley from several of the, the uh, several of different publications that he has worked on, not only with Jeff Stevens, but on his own as well. If you haven't checked out uh, Happy Jack's Funhouse, I can't recommend it enough. And if you're a patron, he's the one that has been doing amazing work on our one-page adventures. So um, thank you, Remley. We're looking forward to, to uh, having the show with you. Because basically, we're going to draw Magic the Gathering cards and build an adventure with him. And he's going to walk us through his process. So I'm super excited. If you enjoy the show and you want to support us, visit us at CritAcademy.com, follow us on social media, leave us a review. If you really want to toss a coin to your critter, no, I can't say critter because that's a, that belongs to a critical role. So to your, you toss a coin to this guy and the crew. Um, you can become a patron and we have so many things that you can uh, pick up from the awesome monster variants that are fully fleshed out with backs with uh, monster lore and skill checks and as one page adventures wonderful maps everything please come check us out yeah all right now that i'm done spewing our stuff i'm your host justin and i'm your co-host ian and we have often chat keep your blade sharp and spells prepared heroes Toss a coin to your DM, O oh, Valley of something. <laughs>